0: hey there and welcome to a new episode of trading talks and we're here as you probably guessed to talk about trading shocking right we're going to share insights use technical analysis value specific assets and analyze how they react to recent market events my name is sam nor market analyst at etoro and i am ready to talk trade are you ready let's go Hello, everyone, and welcome for another episode of the Market Bites podcast. I'm joined by Josh Gilbert, our market analyst based out in Sydney. Josh, how are you? Very good today, Simon. I'm very good. How are you? Yeah,
1: very well. Very well. Been up to much? Um, nothing too extensive. We had a, um, an in Torah event for International Women's Day yesterday. So that was uh, very nice to celebrate all the women in finance last night. So that was very good. I'm um, just prepping to to get myself over to London tomorrow. That's right. Yeah, you're coming over
0: uh, for for next week, which will be fun. I know we've got some time booked in on the Monday to do some sort of filming, which will be interesting. (laughs) Keep your eyes peeled, listeners. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, And I imagine you're still absolutely buzzing from Liverpool beating Manchester United 7-0
1: yeah that was a uh that was a monday or was it tuesday morning yeah tuesday morning wake up that was actually i think it was a monday morning. monday morning yeah um, yeah monday morning that was uh very very good that was a, a very good wake up um yeah. funnily enough uh, most of my man united friends in uh our group chat seemingly muted the uh the group chat that day which was which was funny but yeah classic classic i mean I, i'm like if arsenal
0: lose I'll, I'll turn off notifications i won't watch match of the day Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a way of coping, I guess. So, you know, what for any United fans <laughs> there's still aren't over it, you know, I don't blame you. Uh, podcast topics for this week we'll go through non fund payrolls, we've got the latest rate decision from the RBA, so that you, you're the perfect person to cover that, and then we'll talk a little bit about semiconductors.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with the RBA, um, is, is obviously a bit of a, a topic and a um. One that is obviously following on from from Powell's comments earlier this week as well. NFT is probably going to be the most watched subject, I think, probably of this week. Uh, And then, yeah, Semiconductor is one of the best performing sectors, if you can call it that, so far this year. So it'd be good to just sort of give some insight into that and what's ahead.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Before we get into NFP, the quiz question, Um, and I guess for, for those that are listening on the go, get your notes up for those that are in the office listening while your boss isn't aware, get your pen and paper out. The question is, and you'll get a point for each answer, is of the global central banks who, that you know, from their last move, which central banks cut? So, for example, you couldn't say Switzerland because they hiked in December. You couldn't say the US because they hiked in February. So who which central banks cut whole doesn't count the last move that they made and that is the question so we'll come back to that at the back end of the podcast i I think there's a couple where if people think about it they'll get it but we'll have to wait and see um first subjects as we mentioned non-farm payrolls and i think if we're completely honest in terms of the scheduled events before the FOMC meeting, speaking of rate hikes, um, this is probably the second most important singular event. So the Fed, the FOMC is on the 22nd of March. The CPI, which is the number one most important thing, is the day before on the 21st. And then non-farm payrolls this Friday. Now, as people will know, non-farm payrolls is usually the first Friday of the month. Uh, however, this is the second Friday of the month, so a little bit confusing. Uh but yeah, non-fund power, so one jobs report, one inflation reading before that rate decision. So a lot of you know investors and traders will be keeping an eye on that. Uh it's going to move markets, it could change rate expectations and 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 so on. So, yeah, one to, to keep a close watch on. Um if we were to fast forward to to Friday, uh, that you know, there's some really, really key technical levels that i think are worth keeping an eye on for the s&p 500 you've got the 200 day moving average 3900 the trend line from the all-time high which i think people are going to absolutely need to keep an eye on on gold you've got 1800 and the 100 day moving average massive area of support so if we're going to get a you know a, a very strong labor market labor report you know the dollar is likely to strengthen the s&p is likely to come under pressure as well as Uh, the euro, USD and gold. And there's some really key levels to to keep a watch on. In terms of what we're expecting, uh, if we go back to last month, we had a staggering 517,000 increase, which is mental. um, In this month, uh, well, for the month of February, expected to slow to around 200,000. So if that is the case, that the the pace would be slower than the three, six and 12 month averages of 356,349 and 414,000 respectively. So trend wise, that would be going in the right direction. You wouldn't want um, a headline number to come out higher than that on the 517,000 number it is worth thinking about revisions. For any data release really but for non fund perils especially and especially when you get a really big number like that let's say the data comes in exactly in line the market is going to move off the revision whether it's higher or lower it may not be a case that it does move at all but just something to to think about um some of the experts who uh, also trying to predict non-fund payrolls with very little accuracy, uh, may we add. They, they reckon there could be a couple of seasonal adjustments for, for that January upside, which could have a negative impact on the February data. Uh, the Fed, as we know, is predicting unemployment rate to get to 4.6% in 2023. This Friday's report, uh, expecting it to increase 0.1% to 3.5%. So there's still a fair bit to go from 3.5% to 4.6 uh another area of focus is not just the jobs number it's not just the unemployment but it's the average hourly earning so that's expected to stay in line at 0.3 higher number it's gonna be a bit of a worry for the fed lower number you probably get that goldilocks scenario which the markets uh would like there um so yeah it's going to be an interesting report and i mean just a couple of stats to set the scene the average move from the two non-farm payroll releases that we've had this year for the S&P 500 has been 1.7% in 2022 it was 0. 0.9 so there's a lot more focus now on this jobs number so quite an interesting stat there uh, and in the last six readings the S&P 500 has moved more than 1% in five of those six so look you can never guarantee volatility for traders josh but almost uh, on friday uh, i think people will be getting a little bit excited
1: yeah i think with it being sort of probably the only risk event of the week i think traders will probably be rubbing their hands together to finally get some volatility um and i think it will be an interesting number to watch especially given power sort of hawkish tone earlier in the week as well um you know not long after stepping down with rates, you know, sort of slowing down to 25 basis, you know, markets now pricing in obviously 50 yep. um for for its next meeting um instead of 25 after his comments. So yeah, a really interesting number um to to sort of keep an eye on because as we say, it's probably the only big sort of economic number that the Fed are probably going to be watching this week
0: yeah and and i wonder if the fed will actually be keeping an eye on what the rba and bank of canada do of course both their rate decisions are this week and that brings us on to our next subject the rba so we we really sort of kicked off this week with the latest round of those central bank meetings so as i mentioned bank of canada rba this week ecb the week after the week after that the fomc and the bank of england so the next few weeks are set. We probably had last week and the week before a little bit of a lull in markets from scheduled data and macro events. We're now getting right into the thick of it. Um, so Josh, from this RBA,
1: how did you see it? What are the, the key takeaways from you? Well, no surprises really here um, from the RBA, um, pretty much, you know, the, the broad estimate from economists was just 25 basis points, And that's exactly what they did, lifted rates by 25 basis points, which took the cash rate to 3.6%. It was the 10th consecutive hike. Um, it's most significant tightening cycle for decades. And And for context in Australia, um, the rba has a rate decision every single month the only month they don't have a rate decision in is january um so they yeah that, that basically... could have been
0: uh our quiz question there uh, i, I yeah. mean i
1: would never have got that right i probably would have gone something like december so yeah, yeah. there you go learn something um, new every day yeah so essentially just you know it means that that they can it, I think it's a, a positive and a negative at the same time. The fact that you're sort of forced to to raise rates every single month, but I think it means that you can move in in smaller increments rather than than say maybe larger hikes. Um, so, for example, like the Fed with with fifty, they may feel that they could move twenty five, but they feel that they probably need to to get that fifty basis point into the economy as as quickly as they possibly can. So, I think that um, given the um given the sort of 25 basis points that was expected the market didn't move too much with the move but the focus and the sort of takeaway from the decision was the sort of shift in language uh from the central bank and essentially in the last meeting um the the rba said that further rate hikes or further increases would be needed in the months ahead so in The meeting this week they removed those those sort of plurals um so they took away months and increases and instead opted to say further monetary policy tightening will be needed so i think that can point towards a further hike from the rba but i also think that it ultimately then points towards a pause on the horizon and i think the market liked the dovish tone um the asx jumped on the back of the news we sort of had that bit of a shift So a bit earlier, um, back at the end of last year, we sort of did have a a slight, I wouldn't want to say a pivot, but basically the the rba hinted towards a pause um and then we had a a really big um inflation number come through in q4 and in december as well it came in at 8.4 percent and ultimately at that point we hadn't seen inflation peak whereas that was the complete opposite right to, to sort of the us the us was on you know that sort of downward spiral where we'd seen six or seven declines in inflation but we still hadn't peaked here um so yeah ultimately i think the language points towards you know pausing rate right uh, rate rises um in may after an after a sort of a final hike in in april which would bring the cash rate to 3.85 um markets though do still anticipate a you know a bit more than that you know markets are anticipating at least you know another uh 50 basis points worth of move. so another another two i think that that those comments this week will bring that down uh, i think they'll temper expectations and i think that will that will bring that down um especially after we've had softer than expected economic data in the past few weeks uh, gdp monthly inflation wages unemployment data all came in weaker than expected and, and ultimately showed that the economy is is slowing um and you know that's a positive for the rba um I mentioned about the sort of the peak in inflation. You know, the positive here is that I think we've seen the the peak in, in inflation in, in Australia. Um, the monthly CPI data came in at 7.4% for January, uh, which was a big difference to the uh eight point four percent that we saw in December. Um, and I think that's just starting to show that these rate hikes are having their desired effects given the signs of the sort of weakening economy. I think it is you know plausible to to see a, a pause on the horizon in may um but i think the key here is that we we look to see inflation data continuing to fall um and they have left that door open you know if further hikes are are necessary they, they haven't you know moved away completely and they haven't sort of changed that tone They it is still a hawkish tone but it is more dovish than than what it has been in, in previous statements um and the really important part that um the rba have to take into account which is something that maybe the feds um you know and the bank of england maybe don't have to consider as much is that australian households are some of the most indebted in the world um there's only a few countries you know that, that are more indebted than in australia so higher cost of living through inflation and increased loan repayments on mortgages are really really eating away at consumers back pockets uh, and it's seeing savings dwindle you know rent the rental market in australia is is going absolutely crazy um you know people's rents are, that i just sort of know in and around sydney are going up by hundreds of dollars a week um hundreds and hundreds of dollars you know we're seeing you know you can look on you know sort of the the real estate uh apps or whatever and, and you can see you know apartments that were 600 a week going to you know 800 900 wow. a week so there's some big big changes here um and and i think for now we're probably going to see a little bit more pain ahead but the rba i think really do know that they're they're sort of really walking the tightrope here between really sending a lot of borrowers um uh into um you know a lot of a lot of pain here because they made a big mistake back in 2021 they said that rates wouldn't rise until 2024 which was a big mistake to make. Um, we're now, as I said, there, three point six percent. After you said that your rates would stay low, people took out probably larger mortgages than they probably required, uh, and that's why we've seen bank stocks struggle here within you know the last um, few few weeks, especially after earnings season. So net interest income was better across the banks, but the big fear here was the big fear was over um, ultimately the, those repayments not being able to make um so you know there, there's a there's a lot of worry here over that um uh, but as i say a little bit more pain to come unfortunately
0: yeah that sounds very doom and gloom uh, speaking of yeah. other central banks bank of canada uh, as expected actually kept their rates on hold at 4.5 percent and much more interest rate sensitive uh, economy so it's, they feel like they've got things under control inflation being that thing. Um whether they do or not, we'll have to wait and see. However, if we're thinking of Canada and the, and the Canadian dollar in particular, and you've got one end of the spectrum, Bank of Canada keeping rates on hold, the other, the US now pricing in 50 at the next, the dollar CAD has been going one direction and that has not been good for the CAD. In fact, it's at a I'm just looking here, it's the highest it's been since oh, what's that day the third of November. Uh, and you'd be a brave person to to say it doesn't go to that October 2022 high. Um, it's really been on a bit of a tear since uh, bottoming out on Valentine's Day. Uh, our next subject is around semiconductors. You mentioned at the beginning there, Josh, that's had a great start to this year. Um, what are the main companies we think of when discussing semiconductors why have they had the year that they've had i mean i think we, we we actually have a smart portfolio called chip tech
1: as well right i mean how how's that gone as well yeah look i mean it's we're gonna be a bit more positive here than than what i was for the rba <laughs> just then um but look it's been a great start to the year for, for chip stocks and and as you said that portfolio is at a really strong start chip tech's up more than 23 percent so far Uh, this year so obviously well outperforming broader markets Um, then we have the semiconductor index which is known as the SOX so SOX Uh, that's also been on a tear this year that's up 17 percent both of these portfolios um, or indexes portfolios are led by NVIDIA who is leading S&P 500 this year in terms of performance up around 60 percent and it's sort of um muscled its way back as the fifth largest stock in the us during that time and much of sort of nvidia's good fortune this year is thanks as i'm sure probably most people listening to this will know to the launch of chat gpt um and obviously investors optimism around artificial intelligence um and nvidia ultimately dominates around 80% of the gpu market um so that's graphic processing unit market that is basically the key um in handling the intricate computing demands required for actually powering ai applications so that's why we've seen so much optimism for nvidia after what was a really really rough you know year in in 2021 after uh, after oh sorry 2022 uh, i'm getting too far back but yeah after a tough year in 2022 um given you know supply issues not being able to to meet demand uh, and then ultimately starting to see that demand um you know crumble and i think the big question here is that is is this performance the, this year warranted right uh, every stock in the the socks index is still down over a one-year period Um, with nvidia down 50 percent in the last year therefore i think much of this rally this year can be put down to less bad news so far in 2023 which is obviously given that sort of broader tech rally so far to start the year china reopening uh, and plenty of invest optimism around ai as i mentioned but the the big sort of point to note here is that it comes as the demand for chips continues to fall. Worldwide chip sales are down 18.5% year over year. Um, so if we look at sort of the correlation between chip sales and NVIDIA's chart, it's the complete opposite. So we have chip sales going like that, and then we have NVIDIA going like that. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense if we think about it, um, just very simplistically. Um, and the recent rally has also pushed. Valuations above long-term average as well so added add add all that together and, and it sort of does make the stocks less attractive in this current environment especially when we've got bond yields high and we've still got the fed tightening as well um but having said that again coming back to maybe looking at it from a more positive perspective I think although we're expected to see growth slow this year uh from sales um and this rally is probably overdone slightly but we could probably say that about much of the broader market. Um, it's probably got a little bit ahead of itself. I think long-term growth is unquestionable, um, and I think the sector will continue to keep rewarding long-term investors. You know, chips are essential in in the modern economy. Um, it's in everything from phones, cars, airplanes. It's in everything. Um, we've got Joe Biden in the U.S laying out very ambitious plans to invest billions in manufacturing and research in the semiconductor industry. Uh, And I think that gives the industry plenty of runway as well. Uh, And up until now, much of chip growth has been led by computing and gaming, which is is starting to see um, negative growth. We've seen uh, a lot of demand fall for computing and gaming, uh, but that looks set to change. Um, Electric vehicle growth is likely to play a big role for semiconductor stocks in the year ahead. Um, given they control everything from motors to the computing to the self-driving capabilities, um, we know that electric vehicles are, are only on the up. We're expected to see forty percent growth in EV sales this year. Tesla going from one point three billion, uh, sorry, one point three million to one point eight million vehicles delivered. So, you know, that sort of change, uh, I think we're going to see that shift to more alliance um, on electric vehicles, you know, and that's going to sort of benefit some of those bigger names like Nvidia uh, and Taiwan Semiconductor uh, over the years ahead. So, we might see, you know, some slower growth this year for, for chips. Um, uh, but, you know, th- there's no doubt that we're going to see double digit growth, you know, in 2024, 2025, and even 2026.
0: Interesting. I was just looking at Nvidia when you mentioned it there at the beginning, and there's a level, I think people should be aware of, I tweeted it, so you can always check that out. But uh, for those that are at a computer now, you'll be able to see it as well, around 257, which is the gap lower, where we had from April uh, the 5th to the 6th. And just having a look at other reactions to gap fills for NVIDIA, it reacts them pretty strongly, most notably. Uh, We had a, a gap also actually from that sort of April period on the 8th, we hit that uh, a few weeks ago, tenth of February, and we haven't got above that. Well, we didn't get above there until thirteen days later. Really strong resistance. So, for the short-term traders, uh, one to to look at there, keep an eye on. But uh, a very interesting industry, and as like you said, Nvidia had a has had a, a really strong start to to, to twenty twenty-three, and and from that October low, trading at 109s, hundred nine, we're way over double uh, that as well. So yes, uh, right. Quiz question. Um, I asked. Uh, and let me just make sure i can get the right answers up i don't want to be giving out false information (laughs) uh which global central banks have recently or or their last one let me rephrase it because it's quite a tricky question to ask from global central banks the last move that they made which central banks cut rates um josh do, do you do you have any guesses you know what sounds really bad but i've got absolutely no idea well the the the, the ones i think people would get one is russia which makes a lot of sense right then one more recently they've just had a a, a sort of a big natural disaster um in europe so you have turkey
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: so again makes sense the other one, I don't think I personally would have got this, but then when you, when I'm saying it, you'd probably be like, oh, of course, it's China. So they obviously haven't raised rates yeah, since yeah, yeah. way before, but they cut in August 2022. Mm. Uh, and the other one, which was actually seven years ago. So if we think again, another central bank, which hasn't raised rates recently is Japan. The last change that they made was a cut in January 2016. And since then, it hasn't gone higher, which is mental really that so is, japan yeah, that's, that's a great start it's a great one that isn't it you'd be that's down great, the yeah. uh down the boozer the battle cruiser and that'll be yeah. your your quiz question january 2016 was the last time the bank of japan made a move of their interest rate mental that's good. mental uh on that amazing stat we'll wrap it there for for today um and well i mean next week we'll be in london so let's do it together same room i mean yeah. why not um Absolutely. yeah let's get that sorted josh as always been a pleasure it has been sam thank you very much and hope everyone enjoys the rest of the week take care everyone trade safe you have been listening to digest and invest by etoro for more information use etoro.com